Greetings ladies and mental gents and welcome to this patch video for there is no epic lucia, only puns taken from the website Royal Road. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Please don't forget to do all the usual YouTube stuff as that helps the video and the channel with the algorithm. Chapter 157 Gam Ham Time I miss the days when it was just me hating the world, watching Delta blow things up. News complaining was audible through heavy beeping and typing notes. His form had reverted back to his screen form. No one barged him, everything made sense. No one turned me into a person. Dalja drummed her fingers as she waited. The secret garden was devoted its full power to sustaining Hero, was in some sort of recharging coma when the raid boss mode was turned off. Everyone barged in, stopped editing history, Dalta said as she watched Lawser explore the space with the light and slight beer. The rules are so loose here, it's uncomfortably close to the dungeons that turn into abominations, the woman commented. Dalta couldn't stop looking at her. She was a core on legs. It was mind-boggling to Dalta, who hadn't really moved since she woke up, just rearranged some bits and grew into herself. Lorsa was a slim woman, a picturesque image of an alvin woman, too impossible to exist, and yet she did. It was a little ruined since Delta could really see her. This form was not gained by diet or workout or through gifted bloodline. Her entire body had been crafted with perfectionism that spoke of godly influence, or a dungeon core with too much time. In the center of Lorsa, not quite her heart or stomach, fragments of a brilliant diamond core were being held together by dozens of mana strings from other dungeons, like a band-aid over a hole in one's stomach. Red, blue, green, gold. Gold was the majority of the strings, but there were dozens of other tiny efforts here and there. Fewer colors, more ideas. Smoke, love, clouds, darkness, beast. Lawson had been in contact with what seemed like every dungeon ever. Each piece so delicately weaved that one mishap would unravel Lawson like a dream. You're staring, Lawson called over, sounding amused. Delta Blink, feeling a flush on her neck at being caught. I never, uh, met a dungeon core before, besides myself. Delta said quickly, New had gone quiet, listening. I'd imagine so. Fairplay has done the best to shatter the core network in key places. Lorsa said, tone shifting to annoyance. He picked up a pickle cap with a confused look. What function does it serve? she asked suddenly. Delta blinked. It's cute, she offered. Lorsa took a long moment to answer. Acceptable answer, she said, and Delta watched her use some of her own energy. No, that wasn't right. Lorsa focused on Golden Manor flowed, a borrowed reserve from another core. A chair with rubies and gaudy golden etchings appeared in the garden. Delta didn't think Lorsa was so, uh, interesting to, uh, like such a chair. At Delta's pointed look, the woman coughed. Yell, his manner is, uh, snobbish. She muttered, trying to get comfortable and failing on the chair. Manor has vibes, Delta asked, excited to have someone else who was going through the dungeon thing. She floated down, and when she made a chair, a mushroom the size of a small car popped out of the ground. Lorsa's smile was mysterious, her pale blue eyes too old for the youthful face. You would have noticed, your own is, um, Lorsa trailed off, looking for a best word. 
In the claim tab, orange waves charged into battle, waving arms that didn't exist as they tried to consume the stupid tree. Poor Delta! The head of the assault cried. The room rippled in an echoing chant. Shrooms for the shroom dungeon friendship for Delta! Excitable, Nolsa said finally. You're being too kind. The word you're looking for is invasive and infectious. Lorsa turned her eyes to new screen, her face frowning as she tried to understand something. She focused and her hand and a white screen manifested in the air above her palm. It was so pale that it looked like a snow freshly formed. It crackled slightly as if it was getting a bad signal. News Nick's sarcastic comment died as it came face to face with another menu system. It was blank unassuming, and very much unalive. I'm not sure to praise you or fear you have managed to break the system so badly that it gained thought. It's slightly uh, obscene, but I'm old. Perhaps this is the future? Lawson said quietly as her own screen flickered through windows and options with minimal input from Lawson. New screen flickered as an old pain rose up within him. Crackling and static, he lost himself in old memories. Delta's voice came out next. He's not broken, he's new, was all she said and Lorsa paused, then nodded an apology. I can't accuse anything of being broken, not without being a hypocrite of the highest order. Lorsa said and Delta decided she needed answers before Lorsa could drop any more vague bombs. What's the core network and what happened to you? She asked as kindly as she could. Lorsa kicked her feet a few times, bouncing her knee in thought. If to answer, to leave, or to lie. Delta didn't know until Lorsa spoke a few seconds later. The core network is basically a massive set of lines connecting every dungeon to another. Dungeons are split into two groups, unaware and awake. We are awake, but those without the ability to think higher, thoughts beyond eat, grow, kill, are unaware. Those awake have power over the unaware, such as using them as nodes to stretch their own awareness even governing them in some ways. Lorsa shifted to cross her legs, leather boots impossibly clean. Sounds a bit tyrannical, Delta pointed out as the walls of the secret garden showed a soft orange light. There is no choice. You cannot force growth and development. You can turn them feral, or worse, break them. It's why seeds need time, why children need to develop, why diamonds need pressure at time. Lorsa replied, drinking wine from a bottle she pulled from thin air. It still felt a little wrong to take away choice, even from feral kids. But Delta was a big softy, so maybe she was just overreacting. As for me, well, fair play, a giant girl-turned-company came into my dungeon, tricked me into agreement after beating my bosses, and, when I had my back turned, scooped out the equivalent of my organs, leaving me hollow husk and threw herself into the network as a last-ditch effort to survive. She said calmly, Delta shot New a look who did his version of a shrug. And, uh, why did they do that? Delta asked, hesitating slightly, in case she upset her first core friend. Lorsa thought about it for a bit. Honestly, I have two theories, she admitted and held up two fingers, touching the first one. One, fair play is run by a silence and their fanatical love for fallen sibling, meaning that destroying awake dungeons would not only weaken the body of brother further towards total collapse, but take back all the seeds I've purified over the years. She listed, throwing unimportant words like Delta could have read the script by now. 
She touched the other finger, Silver moving as it was programmed to do so, since there was no breeze in the secret garden. Two. They're greedy humans who discovered the sheer mana power in a dungeon calls being led by a bigot who lost someone to a dungeon and believes that they should control all dungeons like farm animals and only they know best for the world, she said with a shrug. Lorsa thought for a bit, both, both sound good. She settled on and took a swig of a wine that would burn the paint off walls. I have a lot of questions. Delta said, brain frying a little as the idea of a whole world outside of a dungeon that she'd been purposely ignoring. I thought breaking dungeons was illegal, like the calls. My friend Rudy told me that, Delta insisted. The woman winked. You're welcome. The whole law came around due to my little incident. My dungeon used to be about, ugh, well, not too far off the world tree back then. The tree didn't suck up every ley line and mostly kept her attitude to herself. Now, there's no energy around that entire area to support new dungeons. That damn tree keeps burrowing deeper as well. Lorsa said, cheeks going fresh as she kept drinking. That didn't sound right. I met the tree recently. It's a him. Delta corrected. Lorsa's dead, slowly shaking her head. No, it's a her. A giant cow that would wax poetics about eviscerating me. People, monsters, anything really. I haven't been around that area since I can't risk going where ley lines are dead, she admitted. Uh-oh, that sounded familiar. Can you, um, come with me for a second? Delta insisted, and Lorsa raised a brow. Delta was sure that this wouldn't take more than a few seconds to assure her that she was wrong. Delta removed the finger with a wince. And then rot from the inside with the gout still on fire, Lorsa screamed, waving her bottle at Wyam. The tree's entire upper half had turned a furious autumn red. You little hag, I'm going to... Delta plugged her ears again at the sour expression. Wyam's voice was strong and Delta heard snippets of rusty wire, a reverse summoning spell, and something to do with scorpions. So, uh... Wyan used to be the world tree, she called out, hoping to end the discussion before the children came back up. They both turned to her. Yes, no, they snapped. Lorsa nodding, Wyam huffing out a negative. Delta stared, waiting. It is complicated, and my memory, my understanding is uh, flawed, Wyam said irritably. Now who's the hag? Lorsa said, rolling her eyes as she walked around Wyam, sizing her up. I was stripped down to a mere seed, less than a fragment, less than a soul. I'm an echo, but now I am my own self, Wyam said with a sigh. Lorsa shook her head in amazement. To grow this much from a different beginning, a different home, and yet you still be so similar, she murmured. I wanted to wait until I was uh, confident before I spoke of this, Wyam said indifferently to Delta. I don't mind. Uh, sorry for rushing you, Delta patted Wyam's trunk with a smile. The boss blinked and then looked away with an odd look. This raises questions. Who is the will tree now? Another version of yourself. Lorsa came to a start, her hood fluttering as if the material was lighter than air. Delta could sense it would tank a hit from Fran with ease. The question made Wyam's face darken with hate. The name is lost to the fog of before. All I know is that I let the worm too close to my heart, with a face so close to another I once loved. That she once loved. He broke my heart, and I presume is playing with a rotten thing as we speak. Wyam turned, a snarl on her face, but Dalta didn't move away. 
She held one of Wyam's thorny branches, the thorn unable to quite harm her avatar. You didn't deserve that, Delta whispered. And you didn't deserve me, but we all must accept our curses, Delta, Wyam said, aiming for sarcasm but coming out sad. Wyam made a weird noise, like she had stepped on a tack. It was a weird noise, but Delta supposed people didn't hug her every day. The thorns must have put people off. But not a curse. You're my lucky seed. You're my second floor boss, and whoever you were, I don't care. Delta said, smiling as bright as she could. Ah, Lorsa said, clearly grinning from behind Delta's back. Let me break her neck. She won't die from it, Wyam muttered, furious. I got this, Delta said dryly, with a press of power. A giant gut rot grew inside Lorsa's wine just as she went to take another drink. There was a choking noise, and Lorsa fell to her knees, gasping her throat, eyes bulging. I'm dying. This is worse than being shattered. She spluttered and coughed. Delta turned and made a gut rot with pure energy, able to take a bite out of it with a avatar. She met Lorsa's afraid eyes head-on with only a single tear strolling down her cheek. You learn to love them, she promised brightly. She could feel Wyam staring before she heard a deep throaty chuckle before it turned into gales of delightful laughter. It felt good, like a spring breeze and new beginnings. It was beautiful. Grim swallowed once and they stepped down from the stairs leading to the third floor. The room was bathed in a soft orange light as something atop raised platforms pulsed in rhythmic pulses. A heartbeat of warmth and sound. Like an ocean rushing in before retreating. The group moved forward, but the new guy, Alpha, took charge and Grum did not like him at all. The way he was stoic, the fact that he was aloof in answering Kemi's questions, the way his sword looked just right on his back, or the confidence. Nope, Grum did not like this poser. He was some knight from a lame story. Dio was a much better hero. Well, when Grum wasn't available, of course. Grim was naturally more likable. He was organic. He had a sidekick in Dio that made him way better than Alpha. Alpha was like Fair Play's product, so uh, manufactured. His justified mental rants were cut off when Kemi spoke, her usual bright and kind voice now reverent. Delta's core, Kemi whispered, bowing her head slightly as if seeing a miracle. It took a moment, but Grimm slowly looked at the impossibly small orange orb on the altar, pressed between a stone pillar rising from the ground and one falling from the ceiling, sealing it in place in the air. Mushroom statues decorated the four corners as two statues of Fran guarded the stairs leading up to the core, watching them as if one hint of disrespect would spell their end. Such a small thing created everything in the dungeon, something no bigger than a child's toy ball. Dio moved forward, moving so fast that even Alpha's attempt to grab him was so slow. Hi, Delta, we finally get to meet, he said gently, halfway up the stairs. Get off her, you haven't even wiped your feet, Alpha insisted, blank face crinkling with disapproval around his eyes. Does uh, anyone else feel uh, like uh, really light in the head? Amonster asked aloud, calmly but uh, less joking than he had been, and Grimm frowned. No, but I taste something like regret and candy, Grimm said, his tongue fizzling. Manor poisoning, you're all underdeveloped to be here too long. No normal dungeon would have killed you. Delta's manner is uh, holding herself back, but she can't stop us for long. 
Alpha warned and Dio turned with a frown. Let's move on. I don't want Delta to get into trouble. He insisted and climbed back down and ran around the core to push onwards through the two massive gate-like doors that opened on their own. Won't the manor be stronger down there, Grim yelled, knowing full well that Dio wouldn't be able to hear him. Alpha seemed to listen as if having an ear to the wind. There is uh, a guest space ahead. Delta assures me that we'll be safer there. He promised. Bobby eyed him and then leaned in. You smell like blood and tears, she said bluntly and opened a massive pocket to pull a book out. Wake up, he said to the book and Grim had completely forgotten that she had a talking book. Where are we? I went for a nap and why am I soaking in man- Dear goddess, is that a call? Tom, the magical tomb, cried before Poppy vanished as well. Amonster patted Alpha once in a she's like that motion before he vanished as well. Grum wanted to follow, but something was stopping him. He took a step forward, then another. Um, he said, alarmed, before his own damned tongue yanked forward, making him gag. He stumbled up the stairs, with his tongue stuck to the core like he'd licked a metal sign outside of school on the coldest day of winter. This happened a lot, when he was trying to discover what powers he had from his father and grandfather. He put both hands on the core and tried to extricate himself, but his tongue was adamant on where it wanted to be. Grum, you're breaking so many rules and also licking Delta. Stop, Emmy said, speaking as she tried to pull him back. I can fix this, Alpha promised as he reached for his sword and Grum began to really panic. Delta's core lit up with an ominous light. There was a static discharge that flowed through Grum, up through his hands at Kemi before it jumped to Alpha. Dio paused in his unfiltered gleeful staring at the free heel hall, which had all the food ever. The torches on the wall flickered and their power sources were having issues. They flickered once or twice before coming back to a full blaze. A screen flickered in front of them, despite the fact that it had been directly messaged for Alpha. The shock must have scrambled the message badly. Grim's hair was smoking, but he couldn't stop looking. Alpha... You have reached Delta's core and directly interfaced with the core. Two of the four are harmonizing. Please stand by. Three, two, one. Alpha and Delta's core began to glow. It filled the room. It filled everything. Zane slowly lowered the massive rump of some meat that he had gotten off the butcher. He stared as though from beyond far treeline of the town. A massive orange pillar shot into the sky like a legendary dragon arising from some ancient prison. It shot into the sky, blazing like a beacon. From the frozen norths in the deep valley, Beta looked skywards, tossing a dead body of a yeti hags that had tried to feast on the wood tree's roots. The snow around her flashed orange and her eyes dilated. From the root, an old man kept her from simply flying off with intense knowledge of her greatest fight awaited. The old man had her word. In the eastern seas, in the male high seaweed forest, that the great sea serpent skeleton was visible, a creature with the upper half of a scaled goblin and the bottom half of a fish cut through legions of Caribbeans, their blood turning the sun above red. The weapon in his hand shifted from a skittimer to a battle axe, like melting between each shape with ease. The ocean, the very sky flashed orange, and the weapon halted, forcing the wielder to nearly break his arm with a sudden stop. Uh, well, uh, that's odd, this axe said, speaking with vibrations that was louder than the water. 
Gamma, you swore your edge to the end of this war and give me my crown. You gave me your word. The creature roared. I said I would. I just never said that I would try that hard. Or when, or how, or really, what crown exactly? The axe said slowly. And what about being in charge? Uh, about that, boss. Listen, I need to take the rain check, Toon, to be honest. You're not really king material. Besides, you can handle a few hundred, maybe more, crab folk, right? Just do what you were doing before, just without me. Have fun, the weapon announced and flew straight up, spinning hard enough to cut a space in the surface when it broke through. The warrior stared as an army emerged from the seaweed forest, and he had no weapons. Gamma landed on a nearby boat, his manner drained from the flight he took. That would take a week to get back to full. The fisherman stared at the black and gold weapon that was now on his ship. Gamma didn't have to try too hard to make himself appealing. By the ocean's decree, you are the chosen one, the king of all. He, up your heart, take me up and claim your destiny. Gamma wailed, trying not to yawn. The fisherman hesitated and saw that he might have a sweetened the deal. Claim your destiny and find the ancient treasure of the kings of long, long ago, whose names are, uh, forgotten, he said gravely. Is it a royal fishing hook? I don't really need money, the man said, and Gamma was silent for a long moment. Then he morphed back into a gold fishing rod. It was a weapon. Gamma had long learned if he could convince himself hard enough, anything could be a weapon. This did mean that he had to do some work on the actual fishing rod just to get right back to the surface. The first thing he caught was a bisected mergoblin, but looking furious in death. He looked like a big crab had gotten to him. Looks like his meat will be stressed. Throw it back, Gamma insisted quickly. It's got seaweed on its head. That's like a meal wrapped up, the fisherman complained, but listened to him. It's like a crown, Gamma agreed brightly. While Gamma finally ditched the fisherman later as he docked by enticing a nearby cabin boy of his destiny to save a princess, he focused on himself. He felt pain and a fishing rod of gold was formed in the air behind him. Landing silently by the napping fisherman who was too trusting. Idiots like him were hopeless. Fishing rod of unerring accuracy form has been lost. Gamma grumbled as the boy carried him off, talking about his sister and debt. Gamma could sense the cutting detour to debt owner's house coming up before he really got into the road to that feeling of two in this distance. The truly unnerving thing was his quest. It used to read it as... Uh, Find the hero and complete your purpose. Now, it was a little different. Grimly, make your way to one and four. A sharp tongue deserves a sharp blade to match. Was that normal? Beta stared at her screens. Was this normal? Did Quest just change? Find honesty and reveal your true form. Take it kemly and slowly. I can feel him on my knee, Delta whimpered as she watched Grim peel his tongue off with effort. Lorsa was staring at her, and Delta stared back, confused. What? Did I miss something? she asked, baffled. A weirdo was licking her knees, and she was a little distracted. Shrugging, she was sure that it was nothing important. Now, it was time to feast, celebrate, and defeat the rising undead army of dark god pieces and human cruelty using bone and metal as tools to strike down all life in the name of the void. Delta was good at all those things. End of chapter chapter 128 ode to dio 
The free heel hall was in full swing with the victorious party dug into the food. Delta hovered over them all as Alpha tried to keep to himself, but had trouble since Kemi and Dio stuck to him like glitter. Delta smiled as she watched the room serve its first guests since Chris and Rudy. This was its first true service in the name of adventurers. Pork sausages, bacon rashes, gleaming piles of what looked like mashed potatoes, an impressive collection of fruits and decorative veggies from the previous two floors. A fountain of various drinks from Ferris Bar gurgling in a choir against the wall. Desserts made from chocolate and gelatin sitting tempting to the eye, and other foods appeared as if by magic. However, the jetty was made from the slime that she had defeated, their goops being refined with so much sugar that it was both safe and edible. The mashed potatoes were actually mashed mushrooms that looked creamy enough, and uh, the veggies were mostly mushrooms of different types to give variety. Everything but the gutrot, of course. The starlight mushrooms, for example, they fried, gave off a feeling of chewing and something fluffy like pancakes. The best thing was that Delta didn't need to research this. Vera and Jib the troll chef had taken the initiative to cook an experiment on their own. Delta hadn't really had the time to upgrade anything since the invasion of the dead, the lab, Dio's team, and other things like Alpha dropping in. It felt like ages since she'd done anything dungeon-like. She smiled as the kids all joked and celebrated. Poppy was teasing Tom the talking tomb by placing greasy items close to him. The tomb was screeching about grease stains and it made Poppy grin, and there was no heat between them. Delta had a very strong feeling about Tom the tomb. He was old, even if he was by himself. She didn't think that she could absorb him. She had too much of a core, a sense of being... Not that Delta needed more books. Her library contained books on everything from how to rear bull chickens to ripping time in location to increase the rate in which it passed. The issue with the time thing was that it required things like thousand screaming souls, those of young and old, and a mage of chrononymacy, three antique clocks and a well-used diary planner and exactly 45 pages. Delta knew the silent cultists were a little, uh, crazy. But this was just one more example of just how insane they were. Besides the dungeon points, Delta could bend reality around her and her own violation. How many points it would take to break time could number between five and five million. Delta supposed it depended on how badly she broke the rules to suit her needs. Amster was both eating ribs with his bare hands and cleaning the bones afterwards, claiming them to be the burst of his manner. The bones were still in Delta's sauce, but now they were weirdly detached, like a fruit cut from a tree. Vass was standing in line with the fountains, seemingly quite happy to hang out with the decor, spiritually communicating with them through prolonged posing. The golem still gave Delta a weird feeling of, um, something that set her teeth on edge, but he was polite enough. Alpha, the dear strange boy that Delta was so, uh, he touched a heart, which beat with a warmth that she held only for her dungeon family, new and sis before. Rudy, Dio, and Kemi were dear to her as well, but Alpha. There was a bond that was tangible there, not romantic, far from it, but uh, a deep sense to covet Alpha was rising in her like Delta was some sort of uh, a sister. An idea made her pause. How funny. The denial made her feel funny. Delta wondered what... 
I am not your mother. Stop making me act like it, she warned. The sounds of traffic rushing as a resounding of silence fell around them. You sure act like it. Maybe you can't help it. Sucks to be old, the voice replied sarcastically. She felt her cheeks flushed. She was not old. It took a moment for her to inhale and steeply, calming herself before she could reply sarcastically. Hey, hey, don't make her turn the car around. Mama Bear can get grumpy. Avoid and the image rebuked. Were they missing or blocked? We should have taken the bus with the others, someone added. We would have if you could all stop arguing long enough to get anything done. It's all we do, argue, Dalton's voice said into the space before she reached into the radio. Well, the others already know we'll be late. So who wants to take a detour past the little fast food place and get some milkshakes? He asked, voice bright. There was a silence and an outburst of noise. Hell yeah, don't swear. What are we? Five. I want a cheeseburger as well. I want vanilla, not a strawberry, Misty. Delta asked Alpha quietly, and Delta floated back and startled expression. The others were all looking where Alpha was, missing Delta's location easily by feet. Sorry, just, um... She cut herself off as Alpha nodded slowly. They're coming faster and faster, he said, tone knowing. The certainty in his voice made Delta swallow once aloud. Her memory was returning, and that was fantastic. She could remember who she was and what happened. Find a way back, maybe, and, uh, leave. This, uh, nor behind. A sudden tightness in her stomach made her push that kettle of fish to the side for a moment. First, she would deal with the here and now. One day at a time, as a dungeon call, she could cut that down to even further and go one hour at a time. It was hard to measure things in days when you didn't sleep. Alpha, when everyone is done eating here, I want you to do me a favor before they leave. I also need you to translate for me, she said softly, brushing what she thought was a fluff off his shoulder, her hand doing nothing as it faced through him. Alpha didn't even hesitate. Whatever you need, miss, he promised and looked startled at his own slip of the tongue. The word made her feel old. Delta, she mumbled but smiled when she thought about what was to come. She clapped her hands once in excitement. Dio loved Delta. He loved the way she made every room special, how she made every monster so amazing and funny. But Dio supposed the thing he loved most of all was the feeling that seemed to fill the very air. A silent promise of affection and a promise of company. A friend with every step that he took and someone cheering him on, even if he couldn't see her. Dalta, he had watched so many people say the name that he was almost sure that he was pronouncing each sound correctly. D, as in definitely awesome. Longish L, as in liked laugh. And ta, an tada. So Delta was like a laugh that was so sudden that it comes with the ta-da to make you feel definitely awesome. That was how Dio remembered her name. The massive garden was beautiful to Dio with many different doors, but the others looked unsettled. Ahead, Dio saw Grim was sitting down. He had wondered why his friend hadn't been at the feast. Grim had been very quiet since he, Kemi, and Alpha had returned from the call room. He raised a hand and then dropped it as a way of greeting. He turned to see that Amminster was commenting on how quiet the room was. No insects, nor birdsong. It was silent as a grave, he told Poppy. 
Leo didn't think Dalta would have a weird place like this, so he presumed it was more like those sacred places in his adventure books. The place where you wanted to be quiet, where the noise wasn't needed. Usually, a plot-relevant character lived in those places. Dio would keep his eyes open for an elven maiden, or a dwarven king, or an elvish king, or a dwarven maiden. Before they got too far in, something crashed down before them. Alpha didn't jump, having been warned, it seemed, but the rest did. The thing that stood was massive, a set of folded-over wings that had, with a long, dark hair, barely picked over. The wings looked grey and covered from head to toe before they slowly unfolded themselves to reveal a man. Sort of. He had powerful muscles like Dio's dad, but they were compact, flexing without much movement. His arms were covered in wrappings that led to a torso piece of thin leather straps. A kilt of some material fell to his knees, and for a second Dio thought he had a big grey belt on before it uncurled at a slowly massive tail. The monster's face was angled like someone with nobility and cheekbones that were usually only found in the most royal of paintings. Dio had seen faces like that in some old paintings in the many books Amminster brought to class. Angelic, but indifferent. His mouth, while having an impressive set of fangs when he spoke, Dio could understand what he said. I am Vanguard, you're... He slowed and picked the words carefully, as if seeing them all in interlopers. Presence has been allowed here as guest status. Delta insists that you keep to the garden. Please don't show disrespect by ignoring her request, he said finally. Dio couldn't know this for sure, but he bet the creature's tone was deep and cold. Dio knew that he must be worried about Delta. People must make dungeon monsters nervous. Alpha stepped forward as well as they both listened to something. Dio looked back to see Grim frowning. Gargoyle, he told Dio absentmindedly. Dio felt excitement again at the thought of more amazing things to see, but was distracted when he felt a hand on his shoulder. He turned to see Alpha, trying to smile but coming off as nervous. He spoke, and Grim, looking like he wasn't aware of it, and began to speak at the same time, causing Dio to look back and forth at the some sort of ball game was on. Dio, Delta I wants to, wants to offer you a chance to heal the damage inside you. Only if you agree. She, I, doesn't know, don't want to cause you any discomfort. They said in a confusing mix before Grim noticed his own mouth was moving without his say-so. He covered it with both hands and retreated to the safety of the door arch. Dio shot him a worried glance but didn't resist when Alpha led him to a giant statue of a window with words on it. The thing looked covered in moss and old. There is a secret here that Delta doesn't want to be shared. But she thinks you really deserve this, and from the short time I've known you, Alpha said, and Dio's smile widened. I haven't found any issue with you as a person. He finished. Dio would take the compliment. Alpha really needed to learn smaller ways of saying friend. Sure, I don't mind. If Delta wants to try something and she thinks it's good, then I don't mind, Dio said, and Alpha winced before he looked at something. My sonic resistance just went up. He muttered, causing Dio to flush a little. Indoor voice, he forgot. Even if it looked like he was outside. Sorry, he aimed for quiet as a mouse. Alpha didn't wince, so he guessed he was close. Alpha touched the statue. 
Normally the code to open this secret can only be learned by taking on the four roaming gargoyles. Their defeat would each give you one part of the needed code, which Delta promises changes every time it's used. However, they can also be studied under or aided in some task, winning the words that they weigh. For this, they will willingly surrender the word, he announced, and the room shook. Not an earthquake, but the sounds of beings able to project their voices in the very stone and the ground around them. Dio could feel the words. I love Dio. Dio felt the vanguard put a hand on Dio's shoulder, giving him a final word. It made his eyes fill as the statue before them glowed. Two, Vanguard said, less cold as his claw let go of Dio's shoulder. The statue broke apart, sliding away from the platform. Suspended in the air by sheer magic was a powerful orange light lit up the garden like a rising sun. The smell of home, Dio's favorite soup, his mom's hair, the sight of his dad laughing... The light brought all of this to the surface as something rose up from the ground, the centerpiece of the floating stone walls and statue pieces. A cheerful wall with a drinking cup attached by a chain. Dio stepped forward, the manor so thick, but it didn't enter him like the rest of the dungeon. It was waiting for him to come to it, to Delta. Alpha dipped the wooden cup into the well, the surface like glass until the cup touched it, rippling with a sweet laugh. Alpha turned to hold it out, looking envious before he smiled. All at once, he said and stepped back as Dio held the mug, the wood already warm as if the liquid inside was kept hot for people. He sniffed it, and he smelled. Old books, a cat, the smell of a warm classroom, the light perfume of oranges, the fruit citrus scent tickling but not overpowering. It wasn't a drink so much as a glimpse into someone's life that he had been allowed to see. Dio closed his eyes. Thank you. Always be grateful for free food and drink and a warm bed and good friends, Dio said, a smile on his face as he breathed the scent again. I haven't slept here yet, but, uh, he said and downed the drink before he spoke again. You have the best drinks and you're a good friend, he announced as loudly as he could and he didn't remember dropping the mug and falling to the ground. He didn't remember Grim's face appearing looking worried before Poppy appeared, calling his name. What Dio remembered was the universe, his world, his village, his dungeon, his body, his soul, his very tiny pieces all buzzing together like an instrument being strummed for the first time since he had been born. Dio closed his eyes and was moving, yet stayed perfectly still. Then discomfort as something hated the sensations. In his heart, pulsing through his body, something spiky that he had never noticed before boiled and expanded as if to purge Dio of Delta's gift. Dio could only exist as they clashed. Exist and trust Delta. He had to, because when Dio looked at the spike lancing through his heart, he felt afraid. Dio was so afraid of that darkness. Delta had to focus the feeling of her manner not only filling Dio, but overflowing would normally kill someone who wasn't used to much manner. But as it flowed, it soaked in, removing spots of black as it went. Delta was both in the core, floating as an avatar in a garden, and now inside the soul of Dio. Under the gleaming casts of his courage, his flowing rivers of love, under the very sun that was his nature, her poison grew fat of his efforts, 
disgorging itself on his expressions, robbing each flower that grew in his soul of sustenance. Each chest ignited, and her own core pulsed dangerously in the dungeon. A feeling like she had never quite experienced before rose up in her like a wave of emotions. Delta despised it. Delta absolutely despised the sight of it more than the Spider Queen, more than the Princess of Bone, more than her despair at being a core. Delta despised the thing living in Dio, nibbling where his wonderful soul had been eroded at the edges, melted by something cruel. She rushed at it and it rose like a behemoth, cracking the ground, intending to destroy as much as it could simply just show that it was able to. It was like a giant black worm with honey thorns erupting out of the slime-soaked flesh at every angle. It was like its mouth was inside out and it rolled, causing Dio's soul to bleed. Get out of him, she warned, eyes blazing. The thing merely dug deeper, fortifying itself and drinking up her anger as if it were entertainment. Delta's skin began to glow orange, her aura eclipsing her skin. She kept it close, not wanting to scour Dio's soul of thoughtless anger. The worm moved fast, firing its bone thorns at her with tendrils still attached. It was attempting to hook her, bleed her, wound her, make her suffer. Delta's skin blazed, and the first dozen thorns simply turned to ash. Her hair was dancing wildly now, her form around burning sun that was slowly gaining shape. Delta would need to be more precise in her means of attack, so she coiled inwards and called out for the power that flowed through her. She was answered, and she swallowed by a pillar of orange light, forming rapidly inside Dio's soul. The world around them existed for them only, and no others. Those watching would see the manor clashing with infection, nothing more. Delta refused to see this battle as so mundane. She refused to reduce Dio's curse to such uh, levels. She looked down at the now hesitating worm. Well, well, the things you invite me to, Wyam said, her massive form true world tree in size, her thousands upon thousands of branches all bobbed as Delta sat at the top like a burning phoenix. Why, um, you know how I said kidding, destroying things until they screamed for an end, pathetically groveling for a death that's too good for them, tis barbaric and below us. Delta asked, voice thin like a razor wire. Why, um, space formed a branch nearby, looking unsure. I remember words of that sort, she admitted. Delta locked eyes with the countless beady red eyes of the worm spore. For that thing... She said, as the world around them went quiet as Delta spoke her next words. That conversation never happened. Delta said, hands clenched. Wyam's face was serene, angelic, and in love when she heard this. Beautiful, she said, sounding breathless, and her face vanished, and the worm screamed as roots impaled it from below, lifting it into the sky. Wyam's voice, now booming, the true giant that she was, I don't know you or what you did to Delta, Wyam began as all of her green leaves turned to a dark scarlet red in the orange light. The worm tried to use some magic or skill to melt into slime, but Wyam's roots seemed to cause vines and parasitic seeds to grow rapidly, pinning together. I only know that I won't ever mess up as badly as you, Wyam said simply, and then the world was filled with a storm of petals, orange and thorns. The edges of the world flowed into the ground, freed from the creature. 
They poured into the wall, and the edges began to smooth over, extending, flowing like rivers over arid land. Trees grew, and sky extended, and Delta saw the pieces connecting together. Mountains where winds blew majestically, forests where animals and insects sang, rivers that sang with mirth, storms that howled with fury, all of it coming back to this world and free. Free. Dio was... uh, Free. Dio frowned as he wrinkled his nose at the weird sensation, a sort of vibrations that was too intense. Grim, you can't get free loot because Dio willingly drank a weird orange fountain and passed out came a different mix of sensations and oddities, vibrations hitting the side of his face with a clear different pitches and warbles. He touched the side of his head in confusion, only for his hand to hit something strange, a spongy thing. He sat up so abruptly that Poppy sat back in her mouth making a, uh, Ah, Dio, you surprised me. Her mouth moved and those sensations bounced with them. Dio, confused, stumbled to the garden pond where he looked into the reflection. He looked tired, and weirdly, a little ill. His fiery red hair was brushed aside, and Dio stared at the two growing veins running down through his ears, little orange nodes running over the back of his ears. He touched them slowly, and they jiggled before settling back into place. You'll need to turn them off soon. Your manner is quite low. Your own soul won't be perfectly aligned with your sense of hearing for a long time. But Delta promises her blessing, and her own manner will bridge the gap until they're done healing. A soft voice said, and Dio looked up at Alpha. Alpha! He started, thinking he was being too loud until his voice just, uh, evened out. Yes. And I see Delta snuck in noise-canceling benefits to your new gift, he announced, sounding a little pained. Dio fell to his knees before letting out a massive yell. The sound was amazing. He yelled and yelled until he began to cry. Who knew that crying was so noisy? Dio did. Dio knew. Dio knew what labored breathing felt like to others, what his name sounded like in others' voices, what grass sounded like when rustled, what cloth rustling was. He knew it all. Dio finally knew what life sounded like, and he wept. Even as his new gift ran out of manner and silence returned, Dio's heartbeat was light as he knew that it wasn't forever now, only for just a little while. Dio loved Delta. He would love her until the day that he died. Dio Brondo would not let anyone harm Delta, his friend, a kind dungeon who would help nobody special like Dio because she could. Dio would protect that. He wouldn't let anyone make Delta cry. No one. Why am laid in a dungeon room, bowed like a strong wind had knocked her over. Her branches were wild, and she had a delirious look on her face. I really must do that again, she announced, unable to stop herself smiling like a loon. All she knew was that when they went to the third floor, Delta became a goddess. People, third floor... Wyam wouldn't kill adventurers ever again. She needed the idiots alive to experience that again. End of chapter. Chapter 129. That's Amore. The notification was amusing. It appeared just like the kids and Kemi left the dungeon, escorted personally by Rennie, who had taken a break from training his dead man crew circus act. 
Team Heroic Holy Pot and Friends have conquered your dungeon as challengers. You've gained plus 10 DP for challenging them to their limits. Please continue to the... For the strongest... And Kate... The thing fizzled out with a sharp pop. I think I was supposed to get that on day one or something, Dalta muttered to herself. How come Seth and Quist never gave me this when they went through my dungeon? Dalta asked aloud, causing New to appear. Those two weren't a challenge. They were a slaughter waiting to happen if they wanted it, and you had no chance. The kids were more appropriate. Rude, but fair, Dalta admitted as she stretched out her entrance hall. Alpha had decided to patrol the hallway leading further into the third floor. He didn't seem to like the implication that there was a whole series of cults under the dungeon. Delta thought Alpha was somewhat standoffish, but he was turning out to be really sweet. Uh, but different, but, but sweet. Do you want to discuss the way you flew off the handle at the sight of the spore? Newsbox was casual, but Delta stiffened, going still. It was, uh... She began, but had to stop to collect her thoughts. This ball was many things, not a single one of them good as Dalta could sense. They were his nightmares, his fears, his doubts, his pain and anguish, the voice inside his head that would tell him that he was worth nothing, anything, to inflict pain on Dio. It wanted him broken so the spore could seep through the cracks. It was vile. Dalta's hands clenched, shaking ever so slightly. Surely not all of life's negative traits could simply be spore-based, People are flawed, but are you suggesting that all of those traits came from the spores? New turned, so he was facing her fully. Doubtful. Delta shook her head and walked down the hall, declining to float. No, but they entrenched themselves so deeply into those types of feelings that it's like a dream. No end and no beginning. The spores become anger. The spores become fear. They feed it and get fed in return. But even something like anger may burn too pure or bright. Grief too real for spores to settle comfortably. She shrugged in a ponderous thought. Not all bad emotions are spores, but all spores are bad emotions. Mushy announced, stepping in from the pond room. Delta smiled at a giant mushroom lord. His moustache and noble air always delighted her. Sometimes, but they can be devious too, hiding in pride or toxic love, she added. I'll just burn them out where I can. Being in my dungeon does it naturally, but Dia was, um, too deep within. It had a foothold that I don't think most do. It was let in and made a mess, Dalta said as she stood in her pond room. How long had it been since she was here? Too long. You know, while we're on the first floor, we could change things to purchase upgrades, Lou said slyly, floating past her and whistling to his next text. The idea of changing the layout, moving the rooms about, it upset Dalta on a spiritual level. A deep part of her that was beginning to think of her dungeon self, a part of her where human and core blurred hard enough that it scared Delta a little. Waddles opened up an eye from where he was resting a little alcove. He was looking a little more ruffled than usual. What's wrong? Delta tilted her head. Waddles's red eyes merely looked at the pond and then back into sleep. Frowning, she opened the pond menu and seeing what was left, there shouldn't be anything besides the space upgrade or crossbreeding since she purchased all ages ago, but, uh, pond room, an idyllic room with relaxing rocks, grass, and place to camp, and the fishing spot with rare fish and rumors of the three fish of bronze, silver, and gold. Upgrades, discarded since last checked, 
Blood on the pond room and spawned many boss to attack campers, discarded. A glowing will-o'-wisp will lure feeble-minded to drown themselves, discarded. Wood becomes toxic to burn, suffocating those who breathe it in, discarded. Fire crystal will overflow, cooking all swimmers alive, discarded. If all fish are caught, spawn a giant catfish with legs to devour the overachiever, discarded, redesigned. New upgrades make the room bigger on the inside, a common upgrade to get around the lower floor limits, 20 dp. Fake sky allow the formation of a glittering mushrooms to mimic stars as mist clouds mimic clouds. A full moon made of moving glass also occasionally appears. Mimics state the real moon outside, so the full moon inside means a full moon outside, increases the happiness of those camping. If harvested, stars turn to starlight mushrooms, 25 dp. Spawn a jellyfish in the lake. Natural creatures made a jello for those who are against eating meat. Gluten-free, 5 dp. Spawn a giant catfish that will swallow the moon after catching 10 or more fish along with bronze, silver, and gold fish. Catching this behemoth rewards the fisher 30 dp. Add fly fries for ambience, 2 dp. Allow a new fish to crossbreed with existing fish. Population are limited to pond size, 10 dp. Delta was stunned, but she slowly began to grin. New, how much DP do I have? 400? 500? She asked distractedly. 883. Delta looked at the list of diligence and carefully selected her choice. Delta's fingers carefully ran the entire list with a poise and elegance. There was a rumble in the room, and Waddles looked more awake, and his kingdom expanded in all directions. A false sky painting itself across the high ceiling as glinting mushrooms grew in place of stars. Slowly, the floating glass circle in the shape of a moon floated in one corner, showing the three-fourths full. Glowing little lights began to flicker in and out of the grass, fireflies that danced cheerfully along with the air. Trees grew in, the average trees that Rudy had donated so long ago. The interesting thing was that the slight glowing fish in the pond that looked shiny and, uh, plump. Gummy fish that darted about, leaving trails of red, yellows, and oranges. Then, with a massive stretch, the lake filled out. It wasn't quite big enough to fit a steamboat, but it had depth enough that when a giant round fish with a dragon-like whiskers reached the surface, licking its lips at the moon, it vanished easily into the murky depths around the side. Delta, face wide with a smile, opened its menu. Moon eater fish, challenge spawn. A creature whose hunger is so huge that it had to swallow the moon itself. It is said to have a cousin in the dark city that puts people to sleep. Upgrades allows the many space inside the stomach to form, creating a secret challenge dungeon for those brave enough to fish it out and enter. 10 DP Full moon form, catching this monster during the full moon will unlock a special reward, 20 DP. New moon swap, when captured during the new moon, will be replaced by the calamity in a mimic catfish form, 10 DP. Well, Dalton just needed all of them for science. She purchased them and deep in the pond an orange glow flashed. Another new upgrade formed in the pond room's menu as she swept back. Moon Altar allows a tribute to be offered to change the face of the moon. Only works once a day. Dungeon Moon only. 30 DP. Delta hit her elbow on it, sounding shocked when she purchased the upgrade. Beauty. By accident, of course. 
I'm so clumsy. The depth perception is so out of order. She tittered to herself. New was blank and judgmental at her side, not needing to type words and convey his mood. A narrow stone pillar rose out of the pond somewhat, three stepping stones slipping to create a path to it. The dial it held was like a sundial, but it had a middle platform for something to be placed and the phases of the moon printed along the silver edge. Delta sat back on the rock, admiring the scenery. Fish leapt from the pond, playful with each other as waddles resided over them all. The duck's menu was unchanged. It was overlord for 1,500 DP for nothing. Waddles was a simple duck thing. Are we not rushing off to create the next catastrophe, the next game-breaking room? You asked sarcastically, but there was no real malice in his tone. He was relaxed too, content to get back to the task of being a dungeon. Delta got comfy, floating in the air above the rock to cheat the being comfortable. No, I don't think we will, she announced. New flicked in surprise, but Delta conjured herself a glass of lemonade from the bar. Making a construct of pure energy was something that she was beginning to learn to do, although it didn't have any practical use at the moment. It didn't let her do anything that she couldn't do before in the real world. See, for one thing, she sipped it with a hum. It tasted like lemonade, but Delta didn't have a tongue, so the drink didn't have to try hard to make her happy. It came with a little straw that Delta saw as blue, but of course, the world would see it as orange. Why not? New was a tad bit petulant, because new... It's like my old job, I think. They heard me singing and they told me to stop. Quit these pretentious things and just punch the clock, she said, and took another drink before she eyed her companion. All work and no being lazy makes Delta crazy. I'm also still drained a little from Dio. I need a break, she insisted. Very well, five minutes won't harm us. New floated until he was flat on the ground staring up at the sky. This is boring. Delta sipped her drink a little harder. Surely we can do something else. Delta gave a massive yawn and reclined in the moonlight. Delta, Delta, do you hear me? Delta, Delta, Delta. Not at all. Delta reported dreamily as her tension over the last day just melted away. She still had an undead army gathering their strength and a lot of work to do, but uh, Delta was only human. Her foot went up in the air, causing the lemonade to fly all over her face. She began to slide along the ground as New formed a near-human body to physically drag around the room. I resist, I refuse, I deny your sloth nature. I'm a good menu and I will be used. Now stop lazing around and use me, you vexatious paradigm of paradoxes. New yelled, a voice deep baritone sounding out. Says this sentient menu growing legs so to insert his opinions and feelings. Delta muttered before she shrugged and put her arms under her head and got comfy again. Dragged through the mud, floating in the water, laying under the water. Anywhere could be a napping spot if you tried hard enough. Especially when you could choose to let things like that rocks ground and drag friction just not affect you. Maestro slid in with a soothing melody of strings and piano. Ah... My life is the best, Delta said, ignoring news, furious insertions of vexing vixens or something equally catchy. Honestly, she had drained something important in helping Dio, extending more force than she should have been allowed. It was like growing a new level, during which her form slumbered to avoid stress and pain. 
This is much the same, but instead of sleeping, she felt the urge just to lay about and enjoy the scenery. New, just do the mushroom grove and mushroom room on your own, but do what I would do. She insisted, and New dropped her like she had burst into flames. Truly, you would allow me to, um, dungeon? He asked, hopefully. No death traps, no clever plots. Don't make me regret this. She warned as she floated through the walls to go have a drink at Perra's. A nice, calming environment would be nice. But until she found another bar, Ferris was the closest. She barely heard new as she vanished. This is going to be strange, but I, I must, I must wait. Did you say that you're making me do Mushroom Grove? Delta, D- Delta, come back, you're conniving mu- what? Bah, bliss. Isanella frowned as Dio sat looking out the window. He had returned from his adventure and something about him seemed different. He was also quiet, which worried Essanella. His red hair was obscuring something over his ears. Okay, I'm worried about him, she said to her husband. The mountain of a man looked up from his knitting, the blood-red wool giving the sweater a lovely hue, a winter jumper for Dio since he was growing so fast. Maybe he won, but he didn't feel like he did his best, he suggested softly. You know, he takes that hard. She loved her husband, a man who could lead hordes, but chose to do doting and domesticated with her. His voice could inspire lifelong pacifists to pick up an axe and give a war cry, but he only whispered promises of love to her and Dio. No, something else is going on, she insisted. Dio's voice came as she looked back to see him still staring out the window, staring at the birds perched on the trees outside. Wildlife was becoming common again in the area, and it was a lovely sight. I'm fine, Dio promised, sounding still off, but Isanella didn't want to smother him. She turned to get back to making a list of things to purchase at the market, but her mind stuttered for a second, having an issue over something that was occurred. At the exact same moment, Chrysia's knitting needles clattered to the ground. Isanella turned back to Dio, wincing at the sound of the metal needles striking the wood, but then slowly relaxed. He never turned to look. His feet weren't touching the ground as he kicked them in the air. Dio, she whispered, afraid that she had been using her voice to call him, but there was no matter in her vocal cords. Dio shifted before he finally looked back. His face was tear-streaked. My mom sounds like an angel and my dad is so strong. I just uh, wanted to keep listening. I wanted to listen all day. I, uh, I wanted to listen to my parents. He explained as he was modulating his voice so perfectly, as if he could, uh, as if he could, uh, Essanella didn't remember moving, but she was holding Dio, feeding with her manner the lack of void in his head. Warren Manor now mingled with Dio's, forming bridges where only darkness and her own failure lingered before. They were both wrapped up. Chrysia, I hear you, I can hear you. Dio kept repeating over and over. Essanella was strong, keeping her voice under control as she cried into a child's hair. Her wonderful, healing child. Cressire, however, he roared in a choke sob hard enough that forks, knives, and even the broom sat up, looking for foes to clobber, and outside three songbirds fluffed up in aggressive stances, ready for a bird war. Her gentle mountain heaved a noisy tears over them, and Dio winced and then laughed, and then winced as the noise rose and fell like an avalanche. How? she asked, smiling as he was to her voice, without looking at her. It was surreal, and Dio looked up. 
beaming through his tears. Delta, he answered, as Ezanella was going to marry that dungeon. Cressire would understand, but uh, if Delta broke or went corrupt, then Dio would lose his new gift. She tightened her family into her embrace, eyes narrowing, as she stared off over the grass hill and the horizon beyond. That, uh, that would never be allowed. Ever. Max Manor, 350, DP 711. End of chapter. And that, my friends, is the end of this video. I hope that you enjoyed if you did, please consider supporting the channel. There are numerous links down below. The easiest way would be to share this video and this channel to as many people as possible to help this channel grow. Your support is very much appreciated. And I will see you all in the next video. Cheers.